Dan Dickow here on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. This being a Monday, it's actually Labor Day, so thank you um, to everyone out there that puts in such a great effort uh, at your jobs. If you have the ability to have a day off, enjoy it. Um, if not, still, thank you very much. So continuing on with our Monday themes, it's WCC Weekly Roundup. What we're going to do over the next nine Mondays is give you a little bit of a preview, a little bit of an insight into each team in the WCC. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're following our website and any of our social media channels or our podcasts, uh, you probably know quite a bit about Gonzaga. So we'll be touching on Gonzaga individual player previews, team previews, um, schedule updates in, in other uh, episodes and in other articles. But uh, for the next nine Mondays, we're going to be covering a different team in the WCC. Some of the missed the pieces that they've lost, some of the returning pieces, uh, some of the newcomers, and just a general outlook. Uh, this time of year, starting to get more and more uh, information out there. Obviously, rosters by this time are finalized because schools are in session. A lot of schools uh, have released their schedules on the non-conference, obviously the WCC schedule is already out, but uh, a lot of schools uh, are beginning to release uh, their non-conference if they haven't been already. Uh, and probably in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start seeing the TV schedules being released. So lots of good stuff coming up uh, in the near future if you're a WCC basketball fan. But in this first week, figured we'd look at the Lions of Loyola Marymount uh, heading into year three under Stan Johnson, uh, I think in year one, they exceeded expectations. Uh, they played very well. Uh, in year two under Stan Johnson, uh, they had a lot of injuries and they had a lot of pauses with COVID and they had a lot of struggles. So the, the continuity uh, just wasn't there last year. I thought they did have a lot of nice pieces. They just couldn't get comfortable and have a lot of continuity. Now that leads me to think that in year three, when you look at their roster, which I'll go over in a second, um, if they can find some continuity in health, and I would imagine there's not going to be any breakups in practice and game schedule changes with COVID, I would expect to see them back to where they were uh, in year one under Stan Johnson um, in having a successful season. But last year, as I mentioned, injuries and some COVID pauses, they were 11 and 18 on the season, three and 12. Uh, in conference play they shot it okay from the field around 45 percent but their defense really uh, was not what it needed to be for them to be successful a season ago the opponent shot nearly 48 percent from the field uh, and they weren't on the weren't great on the glass either which was a little bit of surprise seeing that um, Kelly Lea Pepe uh, who's back this year um, has the girth and the size um to be able to compete on the glass. Eli Scott, uh, who is finally gone. It seems like he's been at Gersten Pavilion forever. Uh, he is gone. He's He was a good rebounder when he wanted to be. Um, but the, I think those are the two areas that they really have to shore up this, this season is driving opponents' field goal percentage down and being better on the glass. And I think the glass can be a collective thing. Um, you can't always just rely on on a big time space eater rebounder on the interior. Um, you know, I don't see anybody like this is a bad example, but I, Oscar Sheepway with Kentucky uh, on LMU's roster that you can just say he's going to give us nine, 10, 11 rebounds 
you know, we're, we're good in that category. I think this is a team that has decent size across the board, um, but, but they got to rebound by committee. Uh, but the, again, the big thing is defensively, you can't allow your opponents to shoot 48% uh, from the field. Um, and so I think those are probably uh, going to be a couple key metrics to take a look at. So uh, they did have an off overseas trip uh, this summer Uh when I had a chance to talk to Stan Johnson earlier in the summer, he was really excited about it, followed the trip uh, through some of the articles online, as well as seeing some of the posts on social media. Uh, looks like they had a great time. Looks like they played well. Um, it, but Coach Johnson was really most excited about the chance to get a bunch of practices in before they left. And he wasn't as worried about the results win loss over there as he was about the getting the practices in and then the ability to really, um, you know, see growth in players um, in situations in those games, see growth collectively as far as how they come together and play together uh, and then continue to build that off court chemistry, that, that culture that you always hear about uh, in sports in particular these days, the culture wanting to be together. He was really excited about those opportunities. They did a number of, uh, tourist type trips, uh, excursions on their, um, on their journey. So, um, you know, when I get a chance to talk to him again, after, you know, leading into the season, it'll be interesting to see, you know, just what he thought after the trip. I know he was excited going into the trip. Um, but that let's see if that gets LMU off, jump started, kick started, ready to go for a good season. When you look at their roster, a couple big losses, really. Um, and, and those two losses were Eli Scott, who, like I mentioned earlier, seemingly was in L.A. forever. Um, you know, he basically was their go to guy uh, the last five years. You needed a bucket. You went to him on the block or maybe you gave him the ball and an ISO on the wing. Um, he was a willing passer. If the double came, not always a great passer, but he was a willing passer. He could rebound it a little bit um, at his size. Uh, and it seemed as if everything really ran through him offensively, starting with Coach Dunlap's time and then kind of morphing into um, Coach Johnson's time. Really liked to do a lot with with him uh, having the ball in his hands. And a lot of it was because he was a hard matchup. He was a big, strong, uh, tough cover. Uh, if he, he was guarded by a three, if he was guarded by a four, he had the ability to step out, put the ball on the deck and try to use some of his quickness. Um, but 17 points a game, six rebounds, about three assists. So there's a there's a big hole to to replace there. And then the other um, not returning piece, a big loss would be Joe Quintana. Um, you know, he became a really good shooter in the WCC last season, averaged about 13 points a game, shot it from a three point line extremely well over 43%, I think, from from three a season ago, make over two a game. So uh, he was definitely a threat from beyond the arc, handled a lot of point guard duties, but kind of evolved into a shooter for them. Uh, so Loyola is going to have to replace them. I think they've got the pieces to do it. When you look at some of the returning pieces, um, they have a lot of talent. And like I said last year, they they had injuries uh, and then they had some COVID pauses that really changed the continuity of how their season was going. Um, and I think the first guy to, to look at with being bothered by injuries a year ago was uh, one of their guards, Jalen Anderson. He's got a ton of potential. Um, injuries really hampered him a season ago. He's he's 
got length at the guard position. Uh, he's pretty creative with the handle. He can score a little bit. He can pass a little bit. I, I think defensively, he's got a chance to to really be, uh, you know, a disruptor on that end of the floor. So if they get him back healthy, because they pinned him as the starting point guard last year, but you know, couldn't really rely on him being healthy after, you know, I believe it was a broken foot a season ago. So that will be a key piece uh, that is returning. Other guys in the backcourt uh, that are going to be key. Cam Shelton um, started his career at Northern Arizona. Uh, lefty uh, can score in bunches. Uh, I think he kind of dialed back his aggressiveness to score at Loyola Marymount last year and kind of filled a role that was asked of him was needed. But he, he's a guy that, that is talented uh, as a lefty. He's always hard to guard. Um, and he should play a, a vital role for LMU this season. Two other guys in the backcourt. Um, one guy seemingly has been in LMU for a long time, and that would be Damian Douglas. Good size on the perimeter, has the ability to shoot a little bit, but more of a, of a defensive lockdown guy uh, is what they're looking for him to do. And then uh, a guy that uh, transferred in from Wyoming, uh, Quan Marble. I thought he was going to have a bigger role a season ago after having seen him a number of times in the mountain west uh, as a young player um you know sometimes when you transfer you you kind of dip your toes in the water and you don't go full um force in, into making yourself known and, and some guys do some guys don't have the ability to just kind of jump in and take a role when i saw him play uh, a season ago i thought there were times that he kind of towed that water and didn't want to just jump right in. And there were times that uh, he was aggressive and I have seen him aggressive when he played at Wyoming and, and he's got for the WCC, he's got good size to be able to, to be an impact on the perimeter. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he plays this year, but I think he could be uh, big. Uh, when you look at the front court, uh, two guys come to mind really quickly for LMU in, in the returners that um, are going to be a big piece of what they do. First is Alex Mark, Mark Veladze. Um, he's a big um, on the perimeter. Who, he's a big who likes to play a little bit more on the perimeter, about 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, Decent rebounder from, from my recollection, can shoot it a little bit, um, but he's just a good blend guy. He does a lot of little things uh, well. And then maybe the best underrated player on all the West coast, every league included uh, would be uh, Kelly Leah Pepe. Um, if you see him play once, you don't forget him because he's got the long flowing mullet. Uh, he's a wide body, wide shoulder, um, you know, physical bruiser type of a player uh, who wants to bang down low can rebound. will post you up, but he's also got great touch from the perimeter. Um, you know, he's a fun player to watch and he gives a lot of teams, issues when they're preparing for him now the newcomer that uh you know i haven't read a ton about but when you look over their roster and you're trying to figure out um you know where might there be some opportunities and you know with with the size of some of the teams in the wcc namely gonzaga and byu you gotta have some size yourself and so um the the guy who really jumped out at me um, as maybe being a possible newcomer that's going to have uh, a little bit of a a little bit of a chance to make an impact would be um, a seven foot one redshirt junior from the Congo, and that would be Rick Asanza 
sorry, I had to double check my my spelling on my notes here really quick. But seven foot one, you can't teach that size. You can't teach that length. And as I mentioned, when you're going to go up against uh, Gonzaga on a couple occasions, BYU typically has great size. Uh, you, you've got to be able to um, have some size on the glass. You got to be able to have some size uh, on the interior to, to kind of uh, take away some opportunities from Gonzaga in, in the paint. So um, that's a newcomer that that I'm curious to see how he blends and how he fits into Stan Johnson's system. Um, when you look at their schedule, um, obviously the non-conference, they are one of the schools that has already released their schedule. Uh, early on, it's built uh, heavy with a lot of other California schools, both from the WAC and, and the Big West. Um, you know, but I think they have a good schedule put together. And by early December, uh, and I'll touch on the, the four game stretch here, you're going to know if these if Loyola Marymount's for real leading into the WCC because they do have a good non-conference schedule. Uh, they they play in a, a little shootout tournament in Montego Bay, Jamaica, where they're going to play play Georgetown. Uh, so obviously Georgetown is in the Big East. Um, wasn't very good last season, but two years ago they were in the NCAA tournament. Um, and then the, depending on win or lose, as well as their next opponents win or lose, they'll either play LaSalle out of the A10 or Wake Forest out of the ACC. So you know those are two really good games right off the bat. Uh, in November uh, for Loyola Marymount to test themselves. And then there's a five-game stretch that I think you're really going to know a lot about LMU um, and, and if they are going to challenge to be in that upper tier of the WCC this year. And that's uh, they start against Bellarmine at home. Now, Bellarmine played at Gonzaga a season ago. If you follow college basketball, uh, Bellarmine has one of the most unique offensive attack philosophies uh that you're gonna see uh i love watching them play coach scott davenport to me uh when when i had a chance to talk with him last year and, and kind of break down some film preparing for when they played gonzaga uh i was enamored with what they did you know when you watch the game these days there's so much dribbling there's so much uh over dribbling there's so much dribbling to set up your offense uh bellerman does the exact opposite and they predicate everything on the pass. You could watch a stretch of, of a couple possessions and they may only have one or two dribbles when they get into the front court. Everything is predicated on spacing. Everything is predicated on cutting, screening, passing. Um, they liken it to defensively. You want to press and make your team, make your opponent uncomfortable. And you can do that by pressuring up. Um, Bellarmine flips it and says, we like to pressure you when we're on offense by constant cutting, constant movement, constant passing, um, because they feel the, the more times you make the defense move, the more opportunities there are uh, to make a mistake, which is going to lead to an easy basket, whether it's uh, a down screen and a slip, both guys go to the slip guy opening up a wide open three. Um, you know, a lot of it is a, uh, down screen comes a curl both guys go with the curl leads to a pop next time you do the same type of action both guys go to the pop guy leads the the screener with an easy step in or a step up shape up catch and and finish whether in the paint or stepping back to the ball lots of back screen actions uh that they get so that's the first of a five game stretch that i think is going to be fascinating to watch for lmu the next four uh are against uh some teams that might 
challenge for a, a NCAA berth. Colorado State for sure out of the Mountain West. Mountain West has been was a really good conference a season ago. They were in the NCAA tournament. Then it's Nevada at home. Now Nevada ha- wasn't great last year, um, but they've been great uh, in the last five six years, especially under Musman. Now under Coach Steve Alford, they got to figure it out a little bit more. Um, but they've had talent in the past, and it's another Mountain West uh, matchup where. Um, again, Mountain West had a lot of teams in the NCAA tournament. They could bolster LMU's resume. It could bolster the WCC's resume if if they, you know, really kind of take care of um, matchups against a quote unquote rival league. Third game, or, or excuse me, fourth game in this five game stretch that I think uh, is really going to be interesting is at Grand Canyon in the WAC. Uh, Grand Canyon. Really good program under Bryce Drew. Uh, Grand Canyon has one of the best uh, home court advantages, student sections in all of college basketball. Um, and, you know, that's going to be another one where you go into a difficult environment. How do you perform? Because a lot of their games so far uh, will be at Gersten Pavilion at home. they will be a, a, you know, a neutral site game such as the ones in, in Jamaica, or they're going to be, you know, at, a California state school like a UC Santa Barbara or UC Irvine, where maybe the the interest at that point of the year isn't kind of, you know, hasn't been built up yet. So that'll be an interesting one. And then they finished this five game stretch with another Mountain West team uh, who had, when you look at Ken Palm analytics, they had the absolute worst luck in all of NCAA basketball last year. And that Ken Palm analytics that looks at luck factors in, um, you know, time of turnovers. It factors in, uh, you know, just a lot of ran- random type things, um, but they will be playing Utah State in Las Vegas um, to finish off that five-game stretch. Now, when you look at their WCC conference, um, they, they're going to play Gonzaga twice. They're going to first play Gonzaga um, January 19th, and then they will also play them February 16th. So um, lots of good things, I think, going on with uh, – the loyal Marymount, um, you know, I think year one again was really good. Understand Johnson year two uh, had the makings to be really good. And then you had some injuries and you had uh, some COVID pauses that really kind of threw them for a loop. But uh, I, I like what Stan Johnson's doing in LA. Uh, I think he's got them going in the right direction. And I, I think it's going to be uh, an interesting non-conference to, to follow LMU, especially that five game stretch that I mentioned. So uh, appreciate you listening to, again, WCC weekly, these next nine Mondays is going to cover one of the other teams in the WCC out, outside of Gonzaga, talking about strengths, weaknesses, personnel, as well as opportunities with the schedule. So thanks again for listening. Have a great day and look forward to connecting again soon.